This season of The Ready State is brought to you by our friends at Territory Foods. You know, one of the things we love about Territory Foods is that all of the food is made by local chefs in your area. Yeah, it might even lower the ultimately the carbon footprint of your food. And and, and what I hear is carb footprint, but that's not really what it's you It's actually mean. carbon footprint. Uh, look, we keep saying it, but uh, Territory is part of our life. You know, one of the things that happens as a busy working person, you know, I, I mean, I carry the load in this family in terms of logistics and, and cooking lunches. And so sometimes for me, as the, as the man, I just died. as the man, it just helps when I have territory foods, it just helps me be a little bit better organized. Well, that may be the most untrue thing you've ever said. <laughs> but seriously, you guys, um, you know, besides the fact that I'm basically just Juliet uh, Starrett support staff. Um, I want to just say that we love territory. Our daughters love them. Um, it just, you know, it feels like I have a, a backup, like the way that I back Juliet up all the time. It's like territory backs <laughs> me up. I'm not even going to respond to that. Guys, if you want to receive $25 off your first two orders, go to territoryfoods.com slash yum slash the ready state. And you can just be like me, Juliet Starrett support staff. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett. And I'm Juliette Starrett. And this is The Ready State. You got it! You better stop it! You got it! You got it! In 2005, Tom Bros took a trip to Santa Cruz to check out something called CrossFit. He trained alongside some of the earliest CrossFit legends and learned directly from CrossFit founder Greg Glassman. And the intensity stunned him, like many of us. The insights transformed his view of fitness. But what impressed him the most was the community. In the years since, Tom has worked to introduce CrossFit to Washington, D.C. and bringing CrossFit up from the underground in our nation's capital, he has sought to build a community that inspires people just as his experience at the original CrossFit HQ inspired him. Tom has trained competitive athletes of all kinds, but he's also found the greatest reward in helping people embrace fitness for the first time or for the first time in a very long time. Whether coaching former Division I athletes for those who are new to the gym, his purpose is the same, helping people meet their goals. He is dedicated to making a positive impact on the health and well-being of each and every individual who comes through his doors at CrossFit DC. Welcome to the Ready State Podcast, Tom. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. It's like to be here. Um, you know, in, in CrossFit affiliates, you are one of the earliest. Can you tell us how you became CrossFit aware originally? Yeah, I was um, working in a gym. So I had graduated college, um, applied for some internships and not gotten a paid job. And I was walking down the street and I found a gym and I stopped in there and, you know, ended up getting a job there and started training people. Uh, and I first heard about CrossFit, I will say through the Dragon Door website, the old Dragon Door message board, if anyone's oh, familiar yeah. with that. Oh, yeah. Quite Shout a, out. Yeah, boy. Um, a lot of interesting things on that. And I just started hearing about the, you know, the WOD and people were like, Oh, what are these people doing the, the wad? And I was like, I had no idea what that was. So I just dug a little deeper and that was probably, probably became aware of it. I would say in early 2004, something like that, or maybe kind of like mid 2004. So um, way back there. So you become aware. Yep. 
you start dabbling. I mean, do you remember your first workout? And then what's the jump then? Because <laughs> you're like, yeah, I was I was working as a coach and trainer, and then all of a sudden I saw this thing, boom. You know, yeah, so, your gym. So give like, us that little. Some give gaps. us that little arc. We want there. the dirties. The full yeah, arc. Yeah. So um, I was definitely one of those people that was in a gym training people, and I would say what people would consider unconventional at the time. So trying to do a lot of what we'd consider, you know, high intensity functional exercises. Uh, I'd have, you know, 60 year old women on the rowing machine. I'd take them out on the hill, you know, outside the place and do lunges up the street, carrying a sandbag and all that kind of stuff. And when I, I don't remember exactly what my first CrossFit workout was. I dabbled a lot in, you know, some of the kind of metabolic conditioning stuff. And I'd actually, I'd gotten really lucky, lucky and met Pavel a couple times in like, I don't know, late nineties, early two thousands. So I picked up some of that kind of stuff. And then I, I read something with Greg Glassman talking about, you can take people out on a track and, or you can have a, you can deadlift like Monday, Wednesday, and Friday or whatever, and run Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and it'll never be the same feeling as having someone take a barbell out to track and deadlift 315 and run a 400 meter sprint. And mm -hmm. I played rugby and I was like in the front row, you know, and I'd come up out of a scrum and then have to like try to sprint across the field as best I could. And I just saw that and I was like, I know exactly what that feels like, you know? And I was so thinking like this dude's thinking like me, but ahead of where I am that he's actually like pulling the barbell out to the track. <laughs> right. So, so I, I, I conceptualized that was just like, that was the one that I always, think back to and I was like, I know exactly what that is. And like I, I had been never a great athlete, but dabbled in playing rugby and martial arts. And I'd always been on the heavier side and I got more into martial arts and I just tried to do a ton of conditioning for kickboxing and dropping weight and found that that didn't keep up any of the strength. So it was like I could fluctuate between being heavy and strong and being lighter and not strong. And I was like, where's the, you know, I need the nexus where I'm like hitting all that. And yeah. yeah why can't we, I want more of everything like yeah, that, uh, right? the old Russian coach mo model, you know, more face, more of everything. Yeah. You, yeah. you know, so um, that was it. I mean, then it was like, cool. All you have to do is like to get that feeling of, you know, being strong and conditioning is like do a ton of strength stuff in the middle of your conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about that. So good. Yeah. So at this point, you are working as a trainer at a random yep. gym and both doing CrossFit and implementing some CrossFit with your clients, it sounds like. Do I have Sorry. that? Yeah, okay. Yep. Yep. And then at what point did you decide, well, I should actually open an affiliate? Yeah. Like did you just did you just tell anyone? Were you alone? Because that's a there's a big gap there, like I'm gonna open a gym. Sure. So my story is a little different in that regards. It's the total normal story of like, find this stuff, be like, oh my God, I wish I'd known this however many years ago. Um, get all your friends, be like, dude, come on, I, you got to try this, right? So that part is, I think, a very common story. I didn't open a gym right away. So what I did is, I knew right away that I want to be involved. And dude, CrossFit back then was like so underground. If you saw someone wearing a CrossFit t-shirt, like you like ran across the street to talk to them. Yeah, it was yeah, one of the so, early yeah. ones that said, like, mess you up, right? Yeah, for sure. And you were like, oh, my God, like someone else. Or, you know, I saw someone, this was like maybe like a couple years ago on the Metro in D.C. with like a CrossFit Berlin. So I was like, you do CrossFit? And he's like, yeah, of course, like, whatever. What's the big deal? I was like, oh, yeah. yeah, well, 12 years ago, this would have been like, we would have been hugging it out, right? And now he was kind of looking at me like. I, I'm going to interrupt you because I was at the airport yeah. yesterday 
or the day before, and there was a woman who had nanos on, a Kong backpack. She had the, like, she was so she was wearing a rogue shirt. Yeah. And I was like, excuse me, I think we may be friends or from the same tribe. I think you're in this CrossFit community. She's like, ah, I'm a powerlifter now. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, you oh, had yeah. all the tells. Sorry, life has yeah. life, life has moved on. Yeah, exactly. No one turns their back quicker than the the you know the. The, the mediocre CrossFitter, the disgruntled uh, Olympic lifter, power snap. Lifter. Oh, snap. <laughs> yeah. So I, I knew right away. I mean, you, you know, I mean, you remember those days and I went out to the original gym in Santa Cruz when Soquel or whatever. And those people were like, we had, uh, it was back in the era of the three day certs. And um, it was on Thursday, you got out there and they invited everyone out to dinner and they're just like, dude, we're psyched. You're here. You came from, DC, you know, and like wow. <laughs> it was exotic. Yeah. And then I was like, I want to be like for sure you want to be part of this. And I don't think there's anyone, even the people who don't like Greg, who could sit in a room with him and not be blown away, you know? Like so, so you spend three days there and you're like, Yeah, I, I'm in for sure. Um, you know, what's amazing is that I caught the first ever seminar in at Brand X, the first one that oh, had left wow, Santa yeah. Cruz. Because it, it was they weren't doing very often. Right. And but they would post footage of you guys like doing grace. That was something that was done at a seminar and doing fight. And I remember practicing those, like those day, yeah. because I was like, I'm going to have to do that at my seminar. I better be prepared for three yeah. days and I'm going to nail all these workouts. <laughs> I did not nail the workouts. I did <laughs> with uh, Josh Everett judging me and he's like, Oh, cool, dude. It didn't look like you'd be able to do all those pull-ups. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know if you could do all the pull-ups. That's actually I mean, good I mean, advice. Also, I would, yeah, it was like strict. I was like, can I do chin-ups? I'm better at those. Like strict chin-ups in Fran. Yeah. I had no idea. It was like they didn't have videos of a lot of the stuff at that time. So it was like. Right. We were like, what is a kipping pull-up? Yeah. Can anyone yeah. actually do that? Well, do you, do you yeah. remember? So I wanted to, well, just off topic for a second. How did you teach yourself to kip? Because no one kipped. It was, it was a thing on the internet and I figured it out. And when I showed up at my cert, I was like the only person who could kip. And they're like, where'd you learn this? And I was like, I, I figured it out. Yeah, no, I, I think I didn't know how to kip then. I, I think they might've had some demo or like, you know, with someone uh, doing something in that, but they didn't really break that down. It wasn't something they covered. And the second time I came back to Santa Cruz, um, I think about eight months later I came back and they were holding an L one and uh, I came out like four days early and just took classes and went and hung out at the old original gym, which is like one of the greatest experiences ever. If you, if you really want to understand what CrossFit came out of, because people now have this, you know, idea and they're like a CrossFit box. You're going to have like, you have to have a competitor's program is like going in yeah. there and seeing Greg Amundsen showing up, you know, at six in the morning, psyched to work out and, Eva teaching a class of, you know, my, uh, my aunt, uh, is a professor at UC Santa Cruz and Greg always asks me about her every time. He's like, Oh, when are we going to get her down? You know, cause this was like her, her, uh, compatriots, her peers, these like middle-aged women from the university doing an Olympic lifting class, you know? So it was like, <laughs> it was really interesting to see and to see how they train people. I think a lot of people lose sight of that and they're all about, you know, the yeah, like having a hot towel. Offering your client a hot towel so instead. You you you're there. You see this because w- once you can see it. I mean, it, I think it's hard to conceptualize early on. That we hit the yeah. the model, the archetype is in your brain. It's like a Jungian experience now. 
So now you go there and then you're like, oh, I don't need much space. I don't need much equipment. Yep. When did you make the jump that you could do that and actually have a facility yourself? And, and, what, and what number of yeah. affiliate were you? I don't know exactly what. No, I mean, we're, we're well under the first 50 now. We were right around the first 50th affiliates. So when I got back, it wasn't long. I went out there in the spring. I did that course in April uh, of 2005. I think it was class 12 or 13. They used to number their L1s. Uh, yeah, because Kelly went to his in September 2005, right? Yeah. 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 Okay, keep going. Sorry. Right after that, I, I knew I wanted to affiliate. I shot Nicole a message. She was like, cool, here, we'll send you something. Um, I didn't have my own space. So I had a couple friends. I had bought, I'd ordered a pair of 25-pound uh, bumper plates, and I had a couple kettlebells, and we bought a rope from West Marine. And we would go out in the alley behind the gym where I was working. Maybe the dudes who worked in the restaurant, like, smoking out there, watching us, like, throw med balls at dumpsters and hang a rope over the side of the building and try to scale it and throw a bunch of 25 pound metal plates on the outside of these 25 pound bumpers, <laughs> you know, fitness. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Still going back to that is, is great. Everyone. I mean, it, it's great. I love to see the success, especially if you've known like someone like Bill from when he started Rogue, I love to see how that stuff's grown and spread and, you can go into any gym and find a concept two and, you know, pull up bar that's not curved and stuff. But back then, <laughs> we, 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 uh, we, Kelly and I were members of this Globo gym called Club One right before and like at the beginning of starting our CrossFit. And yeah. one of the, we'd become friends with one of the, the trainers there and they gave us these two barbells that were hex barbells like the handle was in a hex shape wow. which is truly the worst way you can ever olympic lift in your entire no, it's life like, like adding it, it, six razor blades yeah to the to your, just to your hands but we were yeah. like hey two free barbells and i think they weighed, they weighed they're like hex. 60 pounds yeah they were really yeah. heavy too extra thick i wish i had one of those today yeah wow, just like, yeah L let me ask this because we um we when we first put up the first mobility one video there was no video camera on the iPhone. <laughs> that was, you know, people for, like we couldn't just drop load. When you started, there was no Rogue Fitness. You couldn't, you couldn't. Yeah. Where did you get your stuff? How did you even start outfit your gym? So um, we started in the alley, and then as the weather was going to get colder, we knew we had to move. Some guys I knew uh, through rugby. A guy had started a personal training studio in the back of an old, what had been a Catholic high school, and they had a gymnasium. They took out the bleachers, put in a little training studio. So they had some stuff, some barbells. I took a couple bumper plates over that I had. I had kettlebells. I'd gotten into those even pre-CrossFit. So I, I'm sure I had the first kettlebell in the D.C. area, at least, Fact. you know, since a, maybe there had been like a 90-year gap when there was one in like, you know, the 20s or something. But since then, yeah, I, uh, I'd gotten that. And um, we just started piecing stuff together, you know, and they had a couple squat racks that had – pull up bar on top so there'd be one that was like straight and one that was curved and you know, i would try to make do with that you know and then from there eventually of course it was like as i started to build people up and the word got out a little bit and it wasn't just like a couple of my friends and you know dudes i'd played college rugby with who were still in the area who'd come in and do it then we we realized we needed to get our own space together and that's how that happened and and how how long did you I mean you have the alley to the sort of school gym yep. to the actual gym yeah we were in the school how gym long for, how long were you long. you know in each of those spaces um alley was 
I mean, that didn't last that long. We were in the school gym for quite a while and, and they started building it out. And the, the guys who um, own that personal training studio caught on to CrossFit and they started their own thing. So we were in there with them and, and kind of um, doing that for a while. And then, so that was like probably like five years. And then we moved to our own 100% leased out, built out location. And what is the actual name of your affiliate? It's CrossFit DC. Okay. So just, so, just for people who don't know that. And if you don't yeah. know, because you're listening to this because you love fitness and all things fitness, I think you can't officially get a name of a of, mm-hmm. of a, a town anymore. Yeah, I think no kind of like geographically exclusive name, something like that. You have to yeah. be like CrossFit Chupacabra. You have to have an actual <laughs> name. That'd be a good one. It My is. It is one. Oh, is it? Okay. My dream job for HQ is being the person who denies people that is that come up with the names for something. <laughs> it's really <laughs> yeah. difficult now. It would be funny. Yeah. Good it's too, really yeah. hard. It's really hard. So I know you said you played rugby and you were obviously coaching at a traditional gym. Yeah. Uh, you know, give us, you, tell us a little bit more about your background and competitive sports. And because, you know, one of the themes we've, we've heard through this season of the podcast is almost all the early adopters of CrossFit were former athletes in some way. And you obviously are no exception. And that was the, one of the reasons that people sort of you smacked into it and it smelled of truth, right? It, what, yeah. it wasn't about being fit. It was like, wow, this actually feels like a sport. Yeah, I, I would say I, I probably am a little bit of an exception in that. So I was a big sports fan growing up and I liked playing sports when I was really young, but I didn't really like the culture around team sports. I grew up in Ohio and, you know, like growing up in late 70s and 80s, I just really wasn't into being high school in like the late 80s. I wasn't into a lot of that stuff. So I actually was not a, an athlete through most of high school or, you know, I wasn't a college athlete until I came out to get involved in the club sport of rugby. So I, I was very much uh, of the, like a little bit, I was mostly more interested in like punk rock, right? That was my main thing kind of, but That's I always, what, same CrossFit. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the CrossFit can really draw from people who are very serious athletic competitors and understand that, you know, uh, team environment and the dedication and all that kind of stuff. But I also feel like it's been a great draw for people. And I think there's a fair community of this uh, who definitely always eschewed that and were not into that and like had other things on their mind. And so kind of like disdain for kind of like jock culture. And you know, I think it's a great way to kind of merge the two. But for me, I was not like a real um, competitive athlete growing up or anything like that. And I felt like that I missed out on a lot of fitness. Like the the season on kids you guys did, there's just so much interesting stuff. A lot of adults have learned through some sort of either physical or social interaction to not want fitness to be part of their life. Mm. And I think the kind of culture of it has been part of that and people who didn't want to be team sports dudes. And, you know, my high school, uh, the gym experience there was like, okay, like you're going to run laps in the basement, you know, in the winter in Ohio. And it's like in a hallway. And it's like, this isn't fun. It's not productive. <laughs> people were good athletes. The dudes who were on the football team go off and do whatever they want. And the coaches, like we had some very stereotypical, you know, just like, God damn it. It's like, so I didn't really love that. And I, I will give them credit that I had a, uh, there was a coach there who was the coach of the hockey team who, and I skipped like gym class for like two years and wasn't going to graduate. He's like, dude, come do weightlifting. 
You can either work at the cross country meets and like stand halfway out there and make sure they run around you, or you can just come do weightlifting after school. This was right about the time that I really was starting to want to do something for myself and get in, I got involved in, in that and taking a martial arts class at the same time. So I felt like I, I really loved that kind of thing, but I had a gap where I was just like not involved in it. And I feel like CrossFit definitely can be a big part of bringing some people that are of that kind of mentality back into fitness. Yeah, it's one of the first times ever where people are exposed to actually a formal strength conditioning system. They've sure, never yeah. had the, they've never had any basic gymnastics or any you know structured conditioning or or any ex, an exposure to the barbell. And you're right. And you know when we started this thing, one of the things that I made everyone do, and we still do to this day, is you have to shake everyone's hand at the beginning of class because I hated gym culture. I hated yeah. the isolation. I hated the bro. I hated like, you know, asking for a spot. I hated all of that, you know? Yeah. I mean, there, there was a lot of like kids who are naturally good at sports through whatever their dedication, interest, hitting puberty earlier are treated one way and the people who aren't are treated another way. And it's like that turns a lot of people off. And I don't really think that everyone's like, man, I really wish I could have been like, included as the third string guy in my college or you know high school team or whatever but it puts people off fitness for life and one of the great things we don't have the demographics in our gym is is pretty young we don't have a lot of people with kids but whenever people come in with kids you cannot take a kid and turn them loose in a crossfit gym and not see them everyone who has a gym has seen the same thing try to climb a rope pick up a kettlebell throw a medicine ball run jump climb right so I've really dawned on me that like not wanting to do fitness is a learned behavior. And this is a great environment for people to kind of unlearn that. I love that. I love that. Seriously. One little side comment I was just thinking about as you were talking is, um, you know, one of the things about early CrossFit is it's definitely, I think the first time ever that men participated in group fitness, right? Like, up till then and with, and with women and with women like but up till then like women would do aerobics and there was spinning sure. and maybe the occasional man would go to spinning but it seemed sort of like yeah. the group group fitness seemed to be sort of like a woman's thing right and then all of a sudden crossfit comes around and it's like a demographic of dudes but yeah right. for sure right so anyway um we are working with your old pal tess who is oh, yeah, with the with that. our sponsor of this season territory foods and she basically uh, has got, yeah she's she's yeah. gushed to us about how awesome you are and that um one of the things you're awesome at is sort of investing in and uh taking care of your coaches so tell us a little bit about your strategy on finding and taking care of coaches and keeping them around and what what about that has changed over the many years of owning a gym yeah. Um, you know, we try to be kind of proactive in understanding how to best serve our members. We do an annual survey and the number one thing we get great feedback is just our coaches. So I want to try to build something that, you know, carries on what I'm about, but not is me. And that also we have actually two locations and tons of classes, so I'm not going to be the face of it most of the time. So I want to find these people that that are representative of what we're all about. Um, DC is a pretty transient area, so people come and go. But we've been really lucky to get great people in. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm just gonna just hang that in yeah. quotations. Lucky, so lucky. Yeah. 
Yeah. Lucky that you consistently have great coaches for the last decade. Good job. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I always say that the one thing I will brag about for myself, for sure, is I've had a, a good ability to get great people around me. So that's what I'm proud of for myself is like, you can be like, oh, I have some good cues or I'm like, I can engage with a variety of different people. But it's like, I can find people that I trust and love to represent what we're all about. And that's like the huge reward, you know? Um, we have a mentoring program in place. We had to put it on hold a little bit. So uh, for a while, just we were a little bit busy and we've gotten that up and running. And it was like just talking about it in our staff meeting last weekend. I was like, this is m the proudest thing for me. It's like we've sent teams to regionals. Like, great. That's awesome. I love it. We've had people compete in weightlifting at the American Open or whatever. But like what I'm proud of, you know, we have this group of people and we've had people that have found this system of fitness have been like, this is what I want to be involved in, pursued it and been like, I want to share this with other people and we can help them do that. So to help bring them from that, like, I want to try this. I love this. I want to do more of this than to, I want to help other people feel that as well. That's, I mean, I think that's the biggest reward in, in, that I can think of. One of the, hallmarks of all the people who have been in the game for a long time early coaches is that you've launched a thousand gyms oh man how many do you know how many gym because someday we're going to sit down and just show the lineage of of the, the greater crossman community yeah. yeah the family tree yeah. do you have a significant family tree yeah i would say so i um sometimes i find people that are like i first started crossfit when i walked into crossfit dc in 2009 i'm like dude who is this dude oh shoot like i should know that because he owns a gym now. Um, <laughs> in the area, you know, I went to, uh, in February, we went, my wife and I went to Asia. Um, and my wife's originally from Hong Kong, and we spent, spent a little bit of time there. Uh, dropped into a great CrossFit gym. There's two that I've been to that are really good. Then we went to Bangkok, and we stopped by, and I was just so psyched. Uh, I have a friend, she trained with us in D.C. for years. She was doing her um, doctorate in law. She worked in human rights work. Uh, as a lawyer, but she's from Thailand and she opened like a boutique personal training studio teaching CrossFit in Thailand. And I was like, you ruined her life. She, she was actually a oh, lawyer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite things about Juliet, yeah. sometimes they grab on the internet is they're like lawyer turned personal trainer. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's always, I'm always like, really? That's how I'm, I'm going to be go down in history as lawyer turned personal. And trainer. you know what? I'm like, it's not a bad life, you know? Um, so I think Tess told us this, but she said that you know, you do a really good job of using workshops and happy hours and partnerships outside of CrossFit DC to make your community awesome and unique. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Man, we tried to. Tess did a lot of that, to be honest. She was she was a, a great ringleader for all that kind of thing. And I think if you if anyone who would know her would see that. Yeah, we just, you know, we really want to try to get people involved. And the easy thing is like, if you own a CrossFit gym, you're going to have I don't know, a third or a quarter of the people that you like, you have to try to get rid of for some of the time. They're there seven days a week. They're hanging out. They do a class and you're like, dude, you did the five thirty class. This is the seven thirty. Like what? You're not you don't have, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay right. here. Yeah. And they can, that's great. But there's another quarter who, who aren't so easy to connect with. So try to think about like, we're like, dude, we're having a happy hour. Yeah. I know I can get like you 30 to come out. That's, that's <laughs> fine. Right. And I, I love that. And those people are, are great. A big thing with our culture is to try to have like have them get other people to come out. And we just have 
you know, so many people that are doing unique and interesting things. If we can just share a little bit of that, um, you know, get them to share it with the group. And sometimes people want to have structured parts of their lives separate, but like this weekend coming up, we're going to have an ultimate Frisbee day. We have a number of women who are really, really good ultimate Frisbee players. I didn't understand much about that sport. And I was, I've got myself in big hot water with them. Cause I was like, it was like a stoner thing, like hacky sack. And they're like, <laughs> so, so a couple, let me correct you on a couple yeah. things. One is hacky sack yeah. is a product. It's foot bag. Second okay. is oh. Frisbee. It's, it's just called ultimate. It's an ultimate Frisbee. Yeah. Frisbee is yeah, yeah, a whammo yeah. product. They actually use a disc craft most of the time. So yeah, it's, you're one of the ones who will, will cue me in. What I was just blown away 165 by 165 gram. <laughs> the first time we had a bunch of these women come in, one of our coaches, messaged me and he's like hey uh these girls all came to the intro class and we have people do an elements class unless they have you know two-week progression it's like they haven't done crossfit but i think they could jump in so i brought them in do one session with them and like let's see where they're at and i had four of them in this and they all could just jump up and start knocking out sets of like five strict pull-ups at a time i was like oh okay this is not what i expected from ultimate we have worked so, with some of those teams yeah. and some of those athletes and they're some of our best yeah. athletes yeah yeah it's, it's weird how playing sports actually you know reinforces those yeah. patterns let me ask you this um you, it's easy now to you know when i started i looked at greg glassman's cooking every day like how did he think why was he structuring it this yeah. way i yeah. looked at mike rutherford he was an early early pine. Yeah. that's right um we were all over trying to understand i was trying to understand and I made horrible, some very, very bad programming decisions, right? Where I just, I didn't know where the limits were. I didn't know the volume. I mean, for myself, I did this thing called the Tour de Fran, where I did some version of Fran every day, trying for the Tour de France. And it was a bad idea, right? So I thought yeah. it was such a good idea. Better, bad ideas are the best ideas, but that may not what, be do you, do you know off the top of your head what's like your worst programming idea ever? Uh, I, man. I would say we used to do a um, Super Bowl workout known as the Super Bowl of Suffering. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember the exact, but it was it was just volume, you know, and the, that was back in the days of like Pain Storm. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. 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 So Brand X and uh, uh, CrossFit, was it Scotland? Yeah. Carl? Yeah. And it'd just be like, you know, it's everything that like, when people get like two years into CrossFit, they look down on and hold their noses up at. Just like we all did that, like fifty burpees, four hundred meter run, fifty thrusters, four hundred meter run, fifty what? Like you know, like repeat on the hour. Run. Yeah, there's <laughs> seventy five minutes of like miserable. Like, what does it get you? Really, really tired. Like, there, there's a time and place for those, but like, I would say things like that would be. If you ever are, up, if you're ever able to drum up the Super Bowl of Suffering workout, will you email it to us? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll look for that. Yeah, couple, I, couple, do you remember when the In and Out phase was big? Like you would do, you had to hold an yeah. In and Out burger down. Remember that? Yeah, although I, yeah, we had a single to mile challenge where you had to uh, row 500 and then chug a beer as fast as you could. Remember that, Juliet? I do. And it's that ended up with a lot of a lot of people yeah. hanging on the fence. Yeah. 
I just want to tell you a story about one of our early socials. We had a, like when we were still in the parking lot, very early CrossFit, we had a social and there were probably like 30 people there, you know, exactly the 30 people you're talking about. And we yeah. actually made it a little more formal. We had people go around the circle and introduce themselves. Oh, I think there were more than that. That was Maybe during that. The, the, the economic crash. Yeah, it was. But anyway, so we had whatever number of people and everyone went around and said, hi, my name is so-and-so and this is what I do for a living and some kind of fun fact about. And basically the, you know, it was like you could hear the record screech because everyone's like, I'm a lawyer, I'm an internet person, I'm this, I'm that. And then we get to um, we get to Pond. one of our early members, Pawn, and he's like, I'm an undercover FBI agent. <laughs> and everyone's like, I'm not even going to say what I do now. <laughs> well, that's when it, we're like, do you have a gun it. in your pocket? He's like, yes, I do. And we're like, what? Yeah, we're like, are you always armed? Yeah. You probably we, get quite, we, quite a few of those people in D.C. too. We have a number of those. Yeah, we have people that are like, oh, I work for for the government and it's like yeah dude everyone in dc works for the government you either work like as a like clerk in the printing office or you're like a ninja because you would just say like you can't say whatever i'm a clerk uh, yeah i'm a clerk he's a clerk too okay so knowing what my friends were go ahead in a lot of yeah um foreign stuff and uh finally he was like hey i got clearance to say where i worked he's like i assumed you guys knew right i was like yeah we made a lot of like predator drone drone jokes for someone working at like USAID or whatever. So yeah, we did a lot of that in DC. <laughs> um, and then we had a couple SEAL team dudes drop in. They were like, oh, hey, what's up to him? And I was like, sure. You just happen to know like these dudes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Jacked guys with a beard. You can always tell. Yeah. Um, knowing what you know now, you know, many, yep. many years into this, what did we get right? What would you do over? What'd you go back and tell yourself? Just, you know, a couple ideas. Yeah, like, and what do you think being part of those super early days of CrossFit sort of shapes how you think about running a business and owning a CrossFit now? Yeah, so, I mean, if I could go back, I would just say, like, you know, get in sooner, spend more time doing it earlier. Or just, I mean, of course, everyone wishes they could go back and start earlier. Not necessarily doing CrossFit, but just, like, building that community. So, um I hesitated to open my own place for a long time. I'm not a, uh, I've never had an interest in being a businessman. So I've had other people that have been really essential that have helped me with some of that. But a big thing that I didn't want to do was lose kind of the purity of what we did. I worked in a commercial gym, which was cool, but it was like, if you had, like one of the girls who's coaching for me now, one lady, she would be in there. uh, She was a member there and she would do chin ups and people would be like, Oh, that's really cool. But are you sure it's safe for you? And it's like, (laughs) yeah, she's like, it's pretty good for me for sure. Um, So I didn't want to lose the purity of what we had to be able to do with no constraints of like running a business or is this going to appeal to a um, broader swath of people that will like pay my salary. I wanted to do it like where I don't care if we're in an alley because it's six people who want to like do bear crawls in an alley, you know? So I would just say that like it's what I believe in. So try to share it on a broader scale earlier and be able to provide it to those people that, that are out there looking for it. You still coach? Yeah. Oh, a ton more than I really should, to be honest, because I I need to spend a little bit more time doing some of the other aspects of business, but I coach 15 to 20 hours a week uh, and sometimes more. You know, I will say um, to your sort of earlier comment about what you do over, I will say that for all of us, and Kelly and I included, and I'm sure this played into 
you know, your hesitancy to get a space and so forth. But I mean, back then there was no model for making CrossFit like a business uh, and, yeah. and having it actually be able to support you. So I think that's why, you know, a lot of us were more, you know, all of us started it as a hobby because of, it was something we loved. And it, it, I think took us all varying amount of time to realize, Oh, this can and is a business and we need to run it like a business. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and I think at that time, maybe no one could have known. No. Uh, some, some people did. Some people also, probably were, you know, a little bit more financially secure to be able to be like, all right, I'm going to take two years off and sink what they thought would be like 50,000 bucks into something, which is going to cost them like four times as much. We all know now. Um, yeah, but, yeah, right. They buy like 20 rowers at once. We would buy a rower. We're like, we have oh, yeah, a rower. Yep. Yeah. One erg. We're, we're rich. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, you can do a lot with a little. We, we know <laughs> I think lot, I remember but- that uh, Glassman – it's either maybe uh, journal number two basically said he's like, I made small group classes to help with it, and I made five hundred dollars in the morning. He would like like, and I was like five hundred dollars a day. That's he's killing it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's and, you know people do the math now and they're like, oh, you have four hundred members paying two hundred dollar average. Like you make eighty thousand dollars a month. I was like, yeah, I sure do. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you wanna, that, come over yeah. to my house and do snow angels with my in my cash. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've I've yeah. I've actually done a little bit of consulting with some gym owners, and you know they've they've said, "Great, so I'm going to get a hundred members, and they're going to all pay X amount, and then that's going to be my profit, and I'm going to be rich." And I was like, "Yeah, except for there's expenses and stuff." In but, San Francisco you know. and DC, I mean, it's our cheap, our rent is cheap where we are. <laughs> Lisa just went. <laughs> oh, it's brutal. I mean, I, I got to think. I don't know. Maybe New York. I, I, you know, in the U.S., San Fran, D.C. is probably right up there. I don't know if anyone else is on the same tier. It's, it's yeah, I mean, I hear people, I've dropped in some gyms and people are like, oh, man, this 12,000 feet is too much. Like, I had to lease in. It's costing me 1800 a month. And oh, like, oh, I know. Yeah. We die of envy. Our own home that. working yeah. name for our gym is CrossFit Nonprofit. <laughs> 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 Let me, uh, you um, don't sound burned out. You still sound stoked. You're coaching. Where, where, yeah, I, what's I next? Where are you going? Yeah. Yeah. Like what's next for you? What are you up to? So, yeah. Um, definitely the big push is I would like to have it um, where we can just basically systemize a little bit better. We've never been as organized as probably we could be. And what that's meant is like, sure, we don't do any marketing. We're going to probably dabble in a few things or whatever. But we want to feel like we're firing on all cylinders and we're like, we have enough support so all of our coaches can educate themselves and like pr- do more things. So we've trying to build out our programs so that, you know, we can spend more time doing seminar stuff for the people who are, you know, newer and like, how do we devote specific attention to people in that first, like three to six months of CrossFit when it's like all confusing, they're super sore, they're seeing some results, but you know, so um, I want to take a step back. I love being involved. I love coaching. I, I specifically, man, like everyone can do what they need to do, but I don't like the model of CrossFit gym where the person who's the owner, who's the behind it is not actively involved. So I would not want to be one of those people who's like, I heard a full-time manager. Now I just do whatever. Like, um, 
I also don't want to work like 65, 70 hours a week. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean right? and it, I think that's one of the things out there that a lot of people, you know, talk about like, well, are you buying a business? Or are you buying a job? Like it should be both. But a lot of people work really, really hard for in CrossFit gyms uh, for probably less than they, they feel they should. I think that's very fair. Yeah. You know, the, so, that, that sentiment about wanting to be involved is actually one of the reasons why Kelly and I didn't open multiple affiliates, you know, because we thought about mm -hmm. that early on and we realized that we would have to really split our time and spend less and less time. And it would be harder to sort of meet our quality standards. So, and I That's frankly, since I do all of the heavy lifting and all the work and all the <laughs> admin, I just felt like I just didn't have the yeah, bandwidth. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, you want to go from like doing, uh, I think if you're smart about what you do, you know, we can all do a little bit better job and, and grow and, you know, look back on what we're doing now in two years and see where we can improve it. But it's hard to scale what you're doing well up. So, you know, that's. I've had some really good people around and allowed to to get a second location. And it's not that far. I'm at often both of them within a single day. Yep. Well, I'll tell you, um, it is extraordinary to know that we have so many friends who were in that first fifty who are still, you know, living the dream. And this is the this is how we think and how we program and how we interact and. We just uh, we're so thrilled to have a chance to talk to you. Um, thanks for spending time with us. When we're in DC, how do people find you? Because uh, they should come check you out. Yeah, I mean, CrossFit DC. It's the easiest to find. I think in any we got kind of lucky with a search engine uh, on that one too, right? By predating everyone else by years. Um, it, we're pretty up there on our social media. We have some some of the younger folks who handle that for me. Um, so yeah, just crossfitdc.com check it out and yeah we, we love to have people come through thank you so much tom it's so fun to hear your story yeah, thanks man. for being with oh, us i appreciate it it's great to talk to you guys and hopefully i'll be out there uh sometime this summer and stop in please and see. come visit we'll come uh we'll come do a million thrusters come on by oh man great take <laughs> care man thanks so much take care tom thanks thank you very much appreciate it guys thanks thank you Thank you for listening to The Ready State. If you like what you're hearing, check out all of our episodes here or at mobilitywad.com. The Ready State is the podcast of mobilitywad.com, where we've assembled the world's most comprehensive database of guided movement mechanics and mobility videos, all with the goal to help improve performance and eliminate pain. Each motivated by the simple idea that all human beings should be able to perform basic maintenance on themselves. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under mobilitywad. That's W-O-D as in workout of the day. Till next time, cheers, everyone. You got it. You better stop it. You got it. Kelly Surrett is a New York Times bestselling author of Becoming a Supple Leopard and Ready to Run. He's a coach, a physical therapist, an athlete, and an innovator who works with elite athletes as well as everyday people who just want to be healthier and happier in their lives. Juliette Starrett is the co-founder and CEO of both San Francisco CrossFit and Mobility Wad, co-founder of StandUpKids.org, a writer, an entrepreneur, and a world champion athlete. Our theme music was provided by Rogue Wave. You got it! You better stop it! You got it!